What's up, filmmakers and moviegoers? Welcome back to the Easy Podcast. I'm Zach. And this is Eric. Eric, what is up, man? Uh, it's been a week since we've talked. Last week, we... Uh, you're looking at the sky. That's funny. <laughs> Hilarious. Uh, last week, we Just were talking checking. gear, and this week, we're probably talking a little bit of more gear. Some updates have since come to light about the few of the things that we talked about. Sure, yeah. And it seems like it's been kind of a gear-heavy week for our experience, so might as well talk about gear yeah i I mean i'm 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 a gear addict i have a problem yes yeah we're we're in a group yeah (laughs) it's not anonymous but (laughs) we are in a group uh i mean many of facebook groups groups. Yeah. yeah uh but before we get to that what have you been watching if anything i know we we talked about your uh, your osmosis last week with the office and, and Jane, the Virgin, uh, if you guys want to hear, uh, Eric's <laughs> comments on those, uh, check last week's episode. But, uh, what, what about this week? What have you been watching? Uh, man, I haven't been watching a lot, to be honest. Um, uh, I've spent more time. Well, that's not entirely true. I haven't been watching traditional stuff. Let's just put it that way. I've watched a lot of stuff on YouTube. So, um, I think that's, that's a, turning into traditional, though. Well, yeah, <laughs> I'm not. I haven't watched like a, a original programming show, episodic show on sure. YouTube. It was really more just binge watching some of the YouTubers that I'm that I follow the the gear guys, you know, um, Maddie Hapoya and Peter McKinnon and Potato Jet and um, you know all the. Yeah, now you posted something. Well, you I think you retweeted it that I saw from uh, Casey Neistat about these Nigerian guys. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And then my wife actually came across it before I, I saw your tweet. Uh, if you don't know what we're talking about, I'll, I'll try and post it on Twitter, on the Easy Podcast Twitter. Yeah, I'll do that right now. Uh, yeah, go ahead and do it right now. It's amazing. These guys are taking iPhone footage or just cell phone footage. I don't even know if it's iPhone it footage. It didn't look like an iPhone. No. But it, they're it, doing this green screen work yeah. with the phone. And, yeah. <laughs> so they're setting up uh, just this tiny green screen and they're shooting these like they said they were limited to 10 minutes because of internet and power. Yeah, blackouts. Blackouts. Rolling blackouts. So they're in this like with. just completely just these environments that you would not expect people to be making films in and they're creating these under 10 minute sci-fi films uh, with just a f- cell phone and a laptop that they say is like it takes days to render sometimes and they have to pause the render because the power goes out every once in a while. Uh, it, just incredible. So check out the video. Um, I don't know if it was from Casey Neistat originally, but no, he, he I think he stumbled on it. Here it is. Um, Eat that mic. The Nigerian teenagers. It was actually a news uh, segment that was covered by Al Jazeera. Oh, okay. Um, of all places. So I'm pulling that up right now and then I'm going to retweet it. It's pretty cool. It's pretty cool to see what they're doing. And it basically takes away all the excuses that anybody might have to, you know, pursue their, their, yeah. uh, their 
filmmaking or yeah now i mean look it doesn't look like a marvel movie but no but but they're doing something creative with what they have and it it i mean it actually it looks pretty great like some of it looks pretty amazing mm-hmm. uh and it's surprising kind of what these guys have done and they taught themselves and i guess nigeria i think it says in the video but nigeria is like the second largest uh film community in africa or something like that um I think it's in that video. I might I might be speaking out of turn there, but um, yeah, which I thought was an interesting st- uh, statistic as well. But uh, yeah, so check that video out. We'll have it on our Twitter, guys. Um, and it's going out now. Besides that, though, uh, you were you were talking about um, kind of just watching some YouTube things. Anything particular that like stuck out to you about that? Well, you know, it's funny we're talking about gear again this week because um, in the mobile space, DJI is releasing the Osmo Mobile Three. Mm-hmm. Um, and Zion is also answered. Actually, Zion's uh, announced their version of the Smooth Q2, which is a very similar product. So it's their their answer to DJI's. You know, it's though they announced it first. It looks like DJI is going to release first. Um, you know, and that that race that companies always have yeah. first to market type of thing. And, um, but as we know, it's not always about first to market. It's, it's about the quality and value for the price point, which yeah. is, which is really for the prosumer, the kind of the sweet spot. Zion has been really interesting because they, when I first saw them, they were, I mean, just some like random Amazon company, or whatever, you know, like you could only get it on or eBay or something. Yeah, or um or Alibaba or something right. like that. Yeah. Which I'll never buy anything off there. But um yeah, just it, it was just this small Chinese company, I believe, um, that were just taking parts and creating their own gimbals and they looked like cheap gimbals, which they were when they first started. But now, I mean, they've kind of they're the reason that DJI came out with the Ronin S, right? Because they yeah. came out with their version that was, it was better. A lot it of people really liked Ronin. it, yeah, yeah, and, and a lot of people still use it. And then now they've come out with a second uh, version of that. Um, it has an extra handle in the back of it, and um, it was a better price point. And I think yeah. that was the thing is, is that they were producing products that were equivalent in quality, yeah, but significantly lower price, yeah. DJI's path to to world domination has been, you know, exciting to say the least and quick as well. So it's 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 crazy to see another company um almost doing the same thing. You know, DJI starting out as just this quadcopter company, uh didn't even have cameras on in their on their original drones and then some other company they partnered with put a gopro kit on there and then they eventually were like well we're wasting money not creating our own cameras for this so they did it and then now they're the biggest drone and probably stabilizer company in the world Um, i mean not everybody uses a ronin on their film sets but they probably sell a heck of a lot more than movie or you know anybody else yeah. that, you know is selling them yeah and i mean i i've used the ronin stabilizers for a number of years and um and i chose the ronin over the movi because of the price point yeah it ga- it got me the same look and feel of what i was after 
Um, sure, it would have been nice to have the movie, but yeah. uh, the Ronin did the job. And now they've kind of switched places where the Ronin 2 is, I think, $1,000 or $2,000 more than the current Movi Pro. Yeah. Um, I think the payload uh, capacity is higher on the Ronin 2, but yeah. you know, for, for most people that are using that small of a, of a gimbal system that's you know that needs to be bigger than a ronin s right um the movie pro i think starts at like 4500 and the uh the ronin 2 is i think 6000 maybe but um so that there's been kind of a shift in that which is which has been i think good to see because i think a lot of the build of the movie is uh superior to the ronin and the dji stuff and then I've always had some some issues with like the Ronin software side of it. Um, from what I understand, though, I haven't used a Ronin two yet. But from what I understand, they fixed a lot of problems that the Ronin and the Ronin M had uh, with the new Ronin two software and hardware. But um, I, I've always just it always just feels like the Movi line has always just ran a little bit smoother. Yeah, and I guess that you know it's, that's a get what you pay for type of right. a thing. Yeah, it, it, that was kind of the argument. Um, even when we talked a little bit about that with Rob, considering Rob Rusher is, a, yeah. you know, he's a certified Movi op, and um, and that was the case. There's, you know, software elements that there were a couple of updates that were buggy and it caused issues. But you know, it, I think, I mean, and now they have the SC, which comes in at a price point right. under $500. Of course, now you're not putting a big cinema rig on this because of the, the, the weight capacity yeah, so is for only for a small like, camera. Yeah, so the, and the weight capacity is only a 1.1 kilograms. And so, you know, you're only going to be using, you know, like a Sony Alpha series or something. Yeah. On that. And, well, I mean, a lot of people are on those cameras still. Um, but, I, you know, most of my work has moved past that now. Yeah. Um, I I don't foresee me buying the Blackmagic Pocket or anything like that, but uh, it would work on those. The SC would work on those, but um, depending on lensing, of course. Yeah, yeah, obviously. So. I mean, considering moving past that, that's that's funny because we were having this conversation earlier in the week when we were talking about um, Vericam and we were talking about yeah. Red and we were talking about all the things that are happening um, right now. And just kind of the attitude, there's a, a, there's a bit of an attitude. There's a bit of an attitude where, you know, you're pro level. And I say pro with quotes. And the reason why I say it with quotes is because there are pros that are using like the A7S II or the A7 III, whatever, and, and putting together some amazing stuff. Yeah. Um, and I would absolutely categorize them as pros. However, there's another level of pros that are working primarily on features with the big studios, and they're using these big, you know, the Aries, the Reds, the the Bear Cams, those types of uh, bodies with you know a lot more intricate rigging. Mm -hmm. And there's a definite. Um, how shall I put it? There's a definite uh, bias. No, not not bias. There's a there's a um, a a big chasm between the two, not and not um, 
I mean, more figuratively speaking, you know, there's this attitude. There's an attitude of, well, that's not pro, right? You're not pro because you're you're not running like a fifty thousand dollar jib arm with whatever gimbal. Fifty thousand would be low end, right? Yeah, <laughs> that's true. There's definitely an attitude. There's an attitude, and I know Jeff um, from Story Greenlight was talking about this. You know, I I've worked in a lot of different capacities in that space. But I never really picked up on the attitude. I didn't really pick up on it until we were at Cinegear. And we were hanging out. And then um, Ryan from RYN Photography was with us for, for a bit of it. And he initially was walking around with his EOS R in his vlog rig. And, and then put it away because he could feel the the very noticeable <laughs> yeah, the judgment eye, the eyes on them right sure. <laughs> which i thought man that's kind of screwed up that's not cool um but it's a real thing and i mean we were talking about it earlier this week just about that's part of what we're dealing what we deal with in this industry but for me it's like i i i don't think that there has to be that attitude i i think that that attitude ultimately feeds ego and ego ultimately destroys quality and relationships and really the whole point of what we're doing the craft of filmmaking is is about telling stories of relationships and it's about telling it's about the collaboration cuz you can't do i don't care what amazing director that you have he can't do it by himself you need to have a whole crew and the directors that i've worked for in the past that understand that and treat people with honor and respect usually are the ones that are making the better stuff because people want to be there people want to give their extra effort versus the ones that aren't so much that way and then you know, people are just, they're doing their jobs, right? Yeah. But, but there's not, there's not a synergy. There's, there's not a camaraderie with the behind the line crew that will spill over into the front of the line. So anyway, sorry. I don't know where that rant came from. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's fine. It's something we talked about a lot, you know, community, um, filmmaking is not just one person. So, um, I, you know, Mark Mangini, Jeff Barge, like they all, talked about it yeah you know and yep. so go check out those conversations that we had uh, a couple months ago but um yeah i mean gosh the, the technology has come so far and it's gotten so cheap now that well it's like these know, kids in nigeria yeah, right right it's like are we gonna slam slam them because they're not quote-unquote professionals right or or i mean their their stuff's going viral yeah. And is it just because it's viral and it's on the internet means it's not good? I mean, they're doing some amazing stuff with the limited amount of resources that they have. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll get, I'll get probably yelled at eventually for this, but you know, um, internet culture and especially like hashtag film Twitter, which I use that hashtag all the time, uh, is this weird, you know, critiquing, uh, gosh, just 
kind of toxic environment in a lot of ways. Yeah. And it's funny that it comes almost all exclusively from just viewers and people that don't actually know the process of what goes into creating any content. And, you know, it's easy to sit there and be like, gosh, you know, those, those Nigerian guys, they're not, they're not, by the way, it's really weird to talk about Nigerian and not make like, and not, it'd be like a joke about a Nigerian prince or something like this is a legit right, that, that we're going to give you <laughs> yeah, millions right. of dollars. Yeah. But, uh, it, it's, you know, people would probably sit there and be like, gosh, those Nigerian guys, man. Yeah. They think they're creating videos, but look at, uh, corridor crew or whatever, you know, on, on YouTube, like, well, look at what they're doing. It's like, well, yeah, I mean, one is sponsored. One has a budget. One has multiple $10,000 rigs that they're, you know, right. It, it, it's an apples to oranges thing, but nobody cares. Right. Because all they see is that end product and they're so used to seeing in game. Right. Or, you know, uh, Godzilla or like these incredible realistic looking CG creations that, you're just so used to it now. You you don't you don't realize like how much of a movie is actually computer generated. Like you go back and watch Wolf of Wall Street, like there's so much of that movie, it's just them walking on a green screen, you would never even know. Right. And you're you the average viewer doesn't know, but then they know that when they see something that's as good a quality as two thousand, you know, two or something or ninety five CG style, they cut it down. Yeah. And it's often just people that have no idea the process and just how much work it actually does take. I mean, I'm sure so many people think, Oh, you just, you just apply an effect, right? That's it. And it's like, no green screening is like, that's a difficult thing. Right. It's not just taking out the green. Sometimes you have to go in and rotoscope a section out because oh, sure. Know, yeah. Cause yeah. just, just keying out that, the, the color isn't going to, right. You, you still got edges and movement and there's all, you know, there's all kinds of bleed and, I mean, not all. There's not a lot, but no. Still, if you do it right, but it, there's there's still detail that you've got to. There, there's work for yeah. sure. What have you been watching? Yeah. What have you been doing? I got the. Uh, they did a pre-release digital release of uh, Godzilla: King of the Monsters, so I popped uh-huh. that baby on last night, and it was like a warm blanket and a cup of cocoa on Christmas morning. <laughs> um, I am a. Uh, man, I love me some Godzilla. I love me some kaiju monsters. I love me some cheese, and uh, that is what that movie is. That yeah. is a that is a movie with uh, characters that have little to no depth, and that's fine with me because there is a, a moment in the movie where Godzilla gets blown up with a giant atom bomb, and it makes him so strong that when he comes out of the water, he literally looks at the camera and has almost like a, like a moment. <laughs> and it's, he's kind of breaking the fourth wall. Like, yeah, Godzilla's here, baby. Oh, that's and funny. it's just like, that's, that's the fun I want in a movie like that. Don't take it so like I, as much as I do kind of like Gareth Edwards is uh, 2014 Godzilla, um, just because the style of it is is really unique to you hadn't really seen the Godzilla kind of that way before. Um, it was a very serious movie. You know, it took itself very seriously, and I understand that you know the original Godzillas were all metaphors for you know um, the atom bomb and the the issue the the problem with 
atomic weapons and uh, an allegory for um, Hiroshima and, and Nagasaki. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, and I get I understand that there's a lot of um, political underlining to a ton of the original Godzilla movies. But at the same time, like I fell in love with those as a kid because of the fun that they were. Right. Yeah. The fun of a, a guy in a suit fighting another guy in a suit. I or was, I was so mad when I realized that it was a guy in a oh, suit. Oh, you, you you thought it was what would you think it was like a puppeteer or something? No. Or, oh, I was oh. like I was a kid. Oh, I thought okay. it was like right, dude. How did they get that? Like, I, you know, I didn't How'd think... How'd they get that big old lizard to do that? Yeah, it was cool. <laughs> that's hilarious. You know, yeah. that was back I mean, I'm when, sure I did when I was a kid, too. Yeah, yeah I was... That's that's what made it so It's like so finding awesome. out Santa's you're not like, real? Yeah. Oh, sorry, kids, if you're listening. Oh, then there's that. Uh, yeah. But, but uh, well, we all know he's man, real. Man, so. yeah, Santa's real. Of course he is. Of course, of course. St. Nicholas is real. Of course. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Uh, but anyways, if you if you love just fun at the movies, um, I mean this this is my this is my Fast and the Furious franchise now. Like, although I, I really did not enjoy Kong Skull Island at all, it was it, it was I don't know. Maybe I need to watch it again with some fresh eyes. But I, I don't know. I, okay, I didn't you care did for just it. remind me that of what I watched, and I totally spaced. And we watched part of it together, actually. It was the four more hours of material oh, that's right. on yeah. Endgame. I, yeah. I, I, I was resisting buying the digital, and then I saw enough of the outtakes where I'm like, okay, this looks fun. Yeah. And then made the splurge, and, and then, okay, I was a little disappointed the Blu-ray or the like a more official release has got to have I something hope so, else because right? I bought the digital with all the extra features, and I'm assuming that it was all the extra features. I would think, but, it, but maybe it, not. It didn't seem like it didn't seem the, like much. I was disappointed yeah. in the length of the outtakes because I know by watching, I it was I've like seen a the movie and a half, enough, maybe. Uh, no, it was longer than that it was because not long, they had though. the they had the Stanley. Here we are. No, 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 about no. Marvel. I mean, I mean the outtake section. Yeah, the outtake section was maybe a minute and a half. It was short. Yeah, it uh, was like the blooper out. You know, whatever you want to call it. Maybe but three minutes. It maybe was three short. or four minutes, but way too short for a movie of that scope. Yeah, and I've seen it enough to know there like. There's got to the be whole some Morag scene. Yeah, right. You can tell that Scarlett Johansson just cannot keep it together, right. and yet, e- even in the final cut, there you can tell <laughs> she she's she's giggling beyond what's happening in the film. It right. was out of scope, but so yeah, there was that. I did watch Endgame another time. Shocker! Shocker! So now that's up to twenty four. Yeah, twenty twenty two in the theater and twenty four at home. Yeah, or well, two two yeah. times at home, twenty four together. Jeez. But the so the other part of the thing that was disappointing was is they they ran through the entire film again with commentary. Yeah. So what did you buy it, it on Amazon? Yeah, I did. I okay. did the Amazon Prime. I've never seen that before. That was really weird. So for people listening. Uh, it's the three hour and two minute movie. Yep. And then after that's done, they play all the special features. Yep. 
back to back to back. And right. then after that was done, they played the movie again. But the special but features with weren't just, they weren't, it was like 10 years worth of special features. It was like the Stanley tribute. It was yeah. like Captain America special feature. Right. It was like Civil War special feature, Winter Soldier special. Like there was a number of those. And then it was the whole movie again with commentary. But it was just so over it. weird to me that they put that as one file. I guess there's no there's no play menu. Yeah, I don't, on I don't Amazon, know. It I don't was just seven it, plus hours long. Yeah, I've never bought a movie on Amazon, so it's just it just felt weird. Yeah, it was just a one file basically that was seven and a half hours long. It was crazy. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I didn't see anything like it, but. Um, but yeah, uh, back to what I was talking about. Sorry. It's fine. Sorry. Uh, watch it's Godzilla. Fine. Check it out, please. It, it deserves Well, it's like you thought fun. you were in control, and then I touched the map. <sighs> yeah, there's another <laughs> another in-game reference. They'll, they'll stop eventually. Sorry. We'll stop them eventually. So, not really sorry, but sorry. Yeah. Um, but yeah, check out Godzilla, King of the Monsters. It's fun. Uh, it, it, if anything else, it definitely provides a lot of gorgeous uh background wallpapers for your computer because oh, there's some yeah, amazing yeah. imagery in it yeah. the the computer um and it was imax right special effect uh not aspect ratio but no they did show it there um and i and it was the only here they didn't they weren't showing it on the cine one so i i went and saw it imax just because that was the biggest way to see it and worth it um but yeah um the imagery is amazing the art direction is incredible um just I don't know. I mean, just everything about like just the visualness of it is just awesome. So if nothing else, watch it for the beautiful images. Yeah. Um, and the uh, the wink in the, the camera that Godzilla makes towards the end of the movie. But spoiler alert. <laughs> and now this is the Godzilla podcast. I would be up for that. <laughs> I would totally be up for that. Uh, but besides Godzilla, uh, two things that I'm going to watch this weekend. I haven't watched yet. Uh, Mind Hunter season two, which is David Fincher's uh, true crime right. show on Netflix. The first season's amazing, so I'm going to get into that. And then we're going to watch The Boys on Amazon. Have you heard about this show? No. Surprising, considering it's a superhero show. Um, it's kind of like an anti-superhero show. Um, the Boys. It stars. Uh, you know who Carl Urban is? He plays Bones on the Star Trek remake, and. Uh, he was dread and he's oh, in I mean he's yeah, in a, yeah. he's in a ton of stuff. Yeah. Um but yeah, so he's in this and basically the premise is um superheroes are real and then they're basically bought out and like sponsored by corporations. Probably what would happen in real life. If you look at like sports athletes, they're mm -hmm. all sponsored and you know by Nike or whatever. So this is about a premise of Hang on. Corporations. Hang okay, on. what? So superheroes are going to be like sponsored? Like, I don't. I, they're going to like. <laughs> that's fun. So Tony Stark rolls up in his like NASCAR suit with all this <laughs> nap. <laughs> I don't know. I, I haven't watched it yet. I just I just flash back to Ricky Bobby. I know, yeah, and and, and talk about having Doritos and right Diet Pepsi for dinner. I imagine it's <laughs> mentioned, on or or something. I the from the screenshots that I've seen in the trailer that I watched, I don't see any visible sponsorships like on their suits, 
but I know that they are like owned by corporations. And well, then they're they're doing it wrong. Whatever. Then, well, maybe, yeah, maybe that's I don't know, maybe that's a part of it. And I just don't know yet. I mean, because whoever gets Dash's shoe sponsorship is going to sell a lot of track shoes. Mm-hmm. You know, there is these. There is, <laughs> it's kind of based off of like the Justice League. So there's there are other versions of the like there's a Wonder Woman parody there's a, a superman parody uh flash parody and so the premise of it though is that they're owned or they're you know they work for oscorp these corporations would you us. stop <laughs> god dang get there faster man <laughs> you're one to talk i know Anyway, these companies own these companies. These, these companies own. So yeah, these companies own these superheroes basically, and so the premise is that they're all terrible people because they have superpowers, so they're arrogant and they do things with no repercussions. So then another company or the government—I'm not sure—I haven't watched it yet—basically creates their own version of like a uh, kind of like a watchdog or like a uh, like a SWAT team to basically come in and handle these superheroes. Mm-hmm. And some of them have superpowers. Some of them don't. They're just like normal. The SWAT team? Yeah, the SWAT team. And mm-hmm. so they're the boys. So they're the group that's supposed to be in charge of making sure that the superheroes don't do terrible things. And it, it's in the vein of kind of like it's mm. dark superheroes. So it's kind of like a, a, a Watchmen or a Umbrella Academy. Yeah, I was just thinking Umbrella Academy. Yeah, so I think it's in that same it. vein. Um, yeah. or like Preacher, which is another one that's on AMC. But uh, yeah, so we're going to check that out this weekend, I think, and watch that. And so I'll talk about it next week and, and let you know. But from what I hear, it's it's pretty it's pretty dark. It's pretty gruesome and uh, gory, but fun at the same time. So I can't wait and to check that out. And who's this by? Who's doing it? This is Amazon. Oh, okay. Yeah. Amazon Films. Mm-hmm. Then they're already shooting the second season now. So. Wow. Well, uh, week two of gear. We've already talked about some gear, but let's yeah. let's get it. Let's get a couple quick updates on what we talked about last week. Uh, I'm going to start with the the Blackmagic Pocket Cinema Camera 6K, the BMPCC 6K, 6K EF. <laughs> That's a mouthful. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Apparently, it's overheating. Shocker. Really? Yeah. Shocking that a camera that's recording 6K Blackmagic RAW that's the size of the, I don't know, like a water bottle is overheating. I could have told you that when my my A7S II overheats shooting 1080 on a hot day. Well, okay. (laughs) Asterix hot day living in Phoenix and it's 115 outside. So let's, let's, let's give them a little bit of, but yeah. You processing that data? Yeah. What kind of cooling system? Yeah, do make you have? just make the device bigger. I mean, it is a little bit bigger. Like maybe I think it's like four millimeter, not four millimeters, but maybe an inch bigger than the the four K version. But that's not enough, clearly. So people well, are. Well, yeah. You know, I mean, you're talking about doing something that a bigger cinema body does, but they have. You know, we just came off of this Vercam demo, and yeah. they talked about cooling and where they have an intake and fan system and it's big and, and it's loud unless and, it doesn't need to be right and that's and and that's the the downside of it is is that yeah and anybody in the computing space knows that the more processing power the more heat that's going to get generated yep. so you have in computers 
even in laptops, you've got heat sinks where those processors will sit on a block of metal that absorbs that heat. And there are fans that circulate air. And in some cases, on some of these gaming computers, you've got coolant. You've got coolant. Yeah. It's a it's a liquid coolant that's running through it. Right. You know? I've seen some crazy rigs that are like them, you know, they put their whole motherboard and everything in vegetable oil. Wait, what? Yeah, you gotta look that up sometime. <laughs> yeah. it, it's pretty crazy. I mean, that was back in the day when I was when I was look, do, into custom computers. But yeah, I mean, th- there was some crazy stuff going on, and 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 now like looking at computers now, it looks like you know a plumber's market. It's just like there's just pipes going everywhere right, with coolant yeah. and everything, and yep. it's crazy. But because it's a problem to get yeah. the power that you want. Yeah, and so I You're, guess that was a shortcut that Black Magic took. Or? Probably. Uh, I mean, they're kind of. That's one of been that you know. If anything's consistent with their cameras, it's shortcuts that they've taken. Uh, you know, uh, getting cheaper sensors. Uh, just the issues that they had with the first run of cinema cameras that they made years right, ago. Right. Um, so we're seeing a repeat of that. It's it unfortunate, but it sounds like it. It sounds like if you're in the market. Um, to spend, you know, under three grand for a camera, and you want at least 4K, go with the 4K version of this because it seems to be doing fine and people are loving it. 6K seems to be having some issues, so right. I wouldn't be surprised if you know eight months down the road we see a well, 6K version okay, too. Okay, so let's 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 ask this question: it, are, Did they push it to market too soon because they were trying to race the the red Komodo? I wouldn't be surprised. Um, the only the only thing about it is kind of like, you know, you, you they clearly already had the body made, so and it, and it is different enough than the 4K that it, it wasn't like they just shoved this stuff in a 4K, right? Um, so I, I don't, it's hard to say. There's so much production time that is required for things that it, it, to say they wanted it out quicker than the than the red Komodo, which we'll get to in a second. Uh, I, I don't know. It's hard to say because it could it could take months. It could take a year but for it, that stuff to finalize in production. For sure. And then it takes months for QC where, yeah. you know, you've got to thoroughly test in the wild, not not just in I a would, lab. Yeah, I would not be surprised if they found out, like, oh, yeah, it's overheating a little bit. Okay, that's a risk we're willing to, to take to get out there. Right. And, and, and the only reason that... I think that's the case is because we're so early. Like usually it's a weird we time get, to drop something. Yeah. yeah. It, so September, October, going into the fall, you're going into Christmas season, you're going into where a lot of people are spending a lot of money for all yeah. kinds of stuff. Yeah. That's kind of the normal routine, at least in our culture. Um, and I would imagine that the, the big part of the market for that camera is here in the U S. Yeah. So, uh, that to re- yeah, some that's random a, that's August release feels that's weird. A, that's a miss. So what yeah. are what are some of the things that we're hearing? What, what like I have this is news to me. Yeah. By so the way. a lot of a lot of the posts that I'm seeing um just are like yeah I'm having overheating issues or the battery that they're using which they use the old Canon LPE6 batteries uh-huh. which are tried and true and they last yeah. you know I've heard a fairly good amount in a, like a Canon sure are just getting wiped out. Wow, and they're just they're running through batteries like nothing, and it's overheating so much to where um, you're you're losing clips, you're shutting down the camera unexpectedly. 
Um, it's causing some sensor de- degradation. I mean, it, this isn't this isn't just a small oh, thing. Yeah. This isn't this isn't good. So, um, and it sounds like there there are a couple of instances where there wasn't like a warning to some of these, and it was just kind of like, and then all of a sudden they touch it, and it was hot. Wow! And then the, so but the camera would shut. Fire. The camera would shut. No, it's not a Samsung. <laughs> but the camera, you know, it would the camera would shut down or just shut off, and then they would be like, well, "What happened?" And then they would go to touch it. And it was just so hot. It was so, and uh, people are getting yeah. like second degree burns. I don't know about that. I'm not going to speculate on that. But but um, that sounds like a that's that's a bigger miss than yeah. I mean, re- like it's, it's something heating that up a will little bit. probably get fixed with the firmware update where it says okay, I'm at this temperature. It, it's probably something where the the internal temperature reader is like it's not kicking in at the right time instead of being like oh it's too hot and it waits too long before it says oh it's too hot i think that that's probably what yeah we're but that's at. still a miss well yeah I mean, obviously so the camera shuts down earlier so it avoids heating up but the camera's shutting down yep so now it's now it becomes a paperweight yeah. or a doorstop yeah. yeah instead of a camera yeah you got to figure that out you have to get I, you know i think it, it works only good at the South Pole or the North Pole, or I think it's going to be it's <laughs> going to be one of those cameras where it's going to benefit from an Atomos and an external battery because now it's not having to run off an internal battery that that causes more heat, right? Um, you run off of an adapter or like uh, AC outlet right. or whatever, um, and then going to an Atomos. In recording, well, then, yeah, what's the point exactly? Then it takes away the whole reason why you have such a small, compact, yeah. So, we'll we'll see if it was, uh, it's a maybe it's a small vocal minority, um, that's doing it. Maybe it's a small vocal minority that's doing it. We'll see, right? Like, maybe it's just a small smattering of what the release was, and some other people aren't experiencing, yeah. I mean, maybe their first batch is having the issues, but. The next round that goes out, nobody will. So right. who knows? Um, but you know, speaking of, you brought up the Komodo a yeah. second ago, uh-huh. trying to get out into production quicker. Um, Steven Soderbergh, who he shot, oh gosh, well he shot a lot of stuff. Um, Ocean's Eleven, right? You yeah. know those movies. Mm-hmm. Um, he just he did Logan Lucky. That's probably his last known biggest film that he's done. He is currently working on a project with the Red Komodo, and he sh- he uploaded a picture to his Twitter or somebody's Twitter um, of that shoot, and it got a pretty good look at the Komodo. Uh, no, definitely no monitor mm-hmm. uh, included on it, um, which is very red. Uh, dual battery on the back. It looks like it's going to take the um, the Canon equivalent to the the Sony BP batteries. Mm-hmm. Um, which are the bigger ones that if you're um, if you're familiar with old video camera battery, I mean these batteries have been around for for years. I mean a long time uh, because if it ain't broke, don't fix it. I guess. Um, yeah, I mean battery tech, sure. Yeah, I mean battery tech has changed, but these connectors, you know, I guess. But somebody that's going to use that camera is probably going to do a gold mount anyway. So I would assume so yeah yeah it, it's it seems kind of a strange but i mean maybe they're trying to make it more accessible those the canon bps are pretty cheap i mean right. you can get a 98 watt for i don't know you know maybe 100 bucks if that so i mean that that's already 200 dollars cheaper than a gold mount sure um at the same 98 watt equivalent um you know uh, yeah i don't i don't know maybe 
maybe they had a good process. I mean, they do last a long time. The BP batteries last a long time, especially in smaller bodied cameras. I mean, we, we could go a whole day uh, on just two BPs in our FS5s, you know, the right. Sony versions, but right. still, like, yep. um, so the, it's an interesting choice for them to go with those. Um, I'm sure it had a lot to do with, it, it feels like there's some, I don't know, maybe unspoken unverified i'll admit deal that they have with canon um and that's mostly because they're now they have this camera that has the canon bp mount for the batteries and then they also have the canon r rf mount right for yeah. the lens the new the and new R series yeah that to me uh i don't know it just it just feels like a little bit of a a, a friendship i guess you could say maybe with canon which seems weird uh, considering they're a competitor now directly. Right. But I don't know. Um, it just well, seems maybe interesting. it's the love. There is a really big love for the Canon glass. Yeah. So maybe it's that it's probably, and it, maybe, probably right. and maybe part of that is, is, um, because of the price point, uh, which it seems like there's the, that middle tier, of the ten to fifteen thousand dollar body is yeah. kind of going away, and you mentioned this last right. week, where, <clears throat> and I've been diving into a lot of the Vericam stuff and a lot of the cinematographers that have used that. Rob Rusher being one of them, <clears throat> right? Yeah. But anyway, the point being is, is that there's still like the twenty five k to fifty k body range. Which is kind of a big range, but you know the upper echelon. Yeah, right. And then there's the there's there was this ten to fifteen k body range, and then you know the the five k range, like or just under the five k yeah. range. And it seems like that ten to fifteen k people in that market have either gone up and they're now in the other market, or They've, they've just dropped down. Yeah. And, and it seems like that 5K market is growing. Yep. Because you have a lot of these independents that have been shooting on DSLRs yeah. or whatever, and they're moving into that space. Right. But they're, they're used to spending a certain amount of money, and, they're, and they just cannot make that leap. Well, look at it. I mean, they've got... So there's Kinefinity. Yeah. Um, the new... Uh, What's what's that M M Z company or the E the E, whatever E two or M two a camera that just came out um, and then yeah Black Magic now has one at five K Canon has one at five K yeah uh, I'm sorry five thousand I should say not five K resolution right yeah um, not to be confused yeah right and you know Sony has cameras at five thousand dollars now yeah um, and it's yeah you're right it's these ten thousand and less cameras there is no more between 10 and twenty five thousand, and yeah i mean people could scream at me well the red is the red is eighteen thousand dollars well it yeah it's eighteen thousand dollars before you start putting accessories on it and even that if it's less than that they're they're not really pushing the raven anymore now especially since this komodo is coming out that raven's going to be gone Right. They're not going to care about that camera anymore. No. Uh, it's a body that is now extinct because they have the whole DSMC2 line, and it, it doesn't fit that line. Uh, the Scarlet Dragon, which used to be Scarlet W, you know, I, I don't know. It, this is going to be interesting. The one thing that will set apart the Komodo and bring it into the, the correct 
you know, uh, price point or, or desirable area is going to be the sensor size, which we still don't know what it is yet. Right. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to hope and guess that it's super 35 just because why would you put an RF lens mount on it? If it wasn't at least super 35, right. Uh, it's not going to be a full frame, not for a thousand, not for $5,000. There's no way. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's gonna have to be uh, the right sensor size at the right price point, and and people be able to use kind of some of their existing gear with it. Right. The the Steven Soderbergh photo, it was um, it was the Komodo and then a Cine lens on the front of it, and so he's probably using an adapter, probably RF to PL or something, and then uh, on top of it was a Shogun Inferno, an Atomos Shogun Inferno coming SDI out into the Shogun Inferno. So I'm assuming uh, I couldn't, you know, I zoomed in on on the the top line of the Inferno and I couldn't tell whether or not he was recording to it or what resolution it was at. Um, but I'm going to assume that that means that you're able to do 4K out uh, to an Atomos mm-hmm. in full quality as opposed to what we were maybe theorizing last week that it wasn't going to be possible, that they would limit it in some way. But it doesn't look like that. That's what they're going to do. So probably still have to do, um, you know, red code on the C fast cards that are going to be available with it. But right. the only thing I didn't see was a uh, red hydrogen, which you know, shocker, <laughs> shocker that Steven Soderbergh doesn't have a red hydrogen on all of his shoots. But right, well, you know, that's that could be uh a monitor replacement, perhaps, yeah. but it probably doesn't have the recording capability that your Atomos no. does. And um, and Atomos and Red are playing nice now. Yeah. Well, uh, <laughs> that, yeah. I mean, that brings up a really good point. Yeah. So Atomos and Apple. Wait, Apple. Yeah. So we've brought this up before, but Atomos and Apple got together. Uh, last year, maybe maybe a little bit longer now. I can't I can't remember when uh, ProRes RAW was announced, but um, Apple and Atomos they got together, created ProRes RAW. Um, oh right, right, yeah. The Atomos yeah. is the only recorder that does it currently. Yeah. Um, actually, that might not be true. The the new DJI uh, Inspire Two with the X7. I think if you have the SSD module, I think it does it now. Um, I, I might be remembering wrong. Maybe I heard that they were just going to do it, but beside the point. Uh, anyway, Atomos and Apple the first. Yeah, yeah, they got together and they did the thing. Um, they did a, a group. They did the thing. They did. Uh, they did the pro. They got together. Thing. Did the pro res raw thing. Yeah. And um, basically, after that, uh, it sounds like Apple uh, got sued by Red. And I think bold move by Red. Well, yeah, and but before that, Red sued Atomos, right? Yep. And then Atomos and Red, in a form, you know, like in a way to not, you know, probably save face for both of them because they're both huge in the industry, right? But yeah, so Red sues Atomos, and then they come to an agreement, and they say, "Okay, we're going to be friends. We're going to work this through. We're going to figure this out." Um, no one really knew exactly what that was in reference to. There was this official statement put out by Apple, or sorry, by uh, Red and Atomos. Um, no one really knew what it was about. We kind of think we know now because now Apple is suing Red. And what happened was in Wait, M- Apple suing Red? Yeah. Or Red. No. 
No, Try. Apple is suing Red, but hang on, I'm getting to that. Yeah. So at now, Apple is suing Red, and what happened was back in May, Red sued Apple right. yeah. for the That's ProRes RAW because Red is claiming that they have a proprietary patent on the way that raw compression works when dealing with 2K images at a 6 to 1 compression ratio. That's basically it. I know that doesn't mean a whole lot to anybody that doesn't know exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah, but that's saying that you can patent math. Basically. So, um, and I don't think that's necessarily the... To I mean, be, I'm oversimplifying it. Yeah, yeah, to be fair, what, what came out was, um, in, in, uh, this was last week, that Apple is suing Red um, for uh, lack of patent in- in information or something, lack of patent va- validity. Or I can't remember exactly what it is. Um, look it up on Red Shark News or um, News Shooter. Do not go, please, do not go to EOSHD.com and, wa- and listen to this or read this article. Um, but that's where I originally heard it, so please go read it out on News Shooter, though. But basically, Apple is suing Red because when Red sued Apple back in May... Um, Apple, well, guess what? Apple is a trillion dollar company. They have the assets. They have the personnel to now look into everything that you're suing them for. That was probably a mistake to poke. The oh, yeah. So now Apple has all this information and they're basically saying like what you have, what the patents you have, they're null and void. They don't make any sense. You can't, you can't patent something, you know, whatever this is. And Basically, you shouldn't be suing us to begin with. And they've got some dude with a PhD that they're paying $600 an hour. And like this, this started you and I speculating <laughs> right. about what was going to happen. So, okay, well, yeah, a- Apple's going to own red <laughs> yeah. at the end of this whole thing. Um, it's, it's very interesting because one, Apple is very rich. So they have the money, they have the bankroll to be able to buy their yeah. own company. Unlimited resources. Here's the thing with that is that Apple and red have had this kind of partnership for a long time, this unspoken kind of partnership where, um, you know, Jared knows about the new Mac Pro before it comes out and he's, you know, he's kind of all about it in their product photos for like Final Cut Pro uh almost said 7 Final Cut Pro X. There's a red camera in the background of the shots, you know, it's just stuff like that where they played nice for a long time. Mhm. And now here we are. Apple isn't going to just take it from them. Oh yeah. Which this goes back from it so, goes back to the Genie Mag conversation that we had you right. know, about the the memory cards and mm-hmm, stuff like that. Yeah. And now Apple is like, no, you're not going to, you can't bully us. We're Apple. We're we're gonna basically, I don't want to say they're going to bully Red, but <laughs> they don't have to stand up for it. You know, they don't have to put up with it. So, so yeah. But the suit against Apple from Red got dropped. Uh, I or can't is remember. That, is that still? I in think play? it's still a thing. Yeah, I, 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 uh, I have to read the article yeah. again, but I'm, I'm pretty sure it's still a thing, and that's why this is now happening. It's a countersuit. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, Red's going to drop the lawsuit against Apple, I'm sure, and then Apple probably will not drop the lawsuit against Red because Apple is. It sounds like Apple is going all in on this ProRes RAW thing, which as a uh, as a creative and as a filmmaker, I'm so jazzed to see that Apple is actually putting money and time into a professional codec. Yeah. Because that means to me that they are, they're still thinking about and concerned about 
professional filmmaking. Well, yeah, and I think on a number of different levels. Yeah. I mean, that's the core of who they are. To, I mean, yeah, the last 10 or 15 years, they obviously have taken a big shift to consumer-focused iPhone and yeah. iPad and yeah and, and 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 rightly so that's where their bread and butter is and that's where their biggest um, income generation comes from that those markets. However, the core of who Apple is is really catering to the professionals and and yes, you can make the argument that. That Final Cut deviated to now iMovie Pro. We all know about that. However, um, this totally supports the fact that yes, they they do care about the professionals because the professionals are are also the ones that are influencing and driving the market. Uh, you know the yep. consumer market. So, it, not to mention that they're they've got their own streaming platform and, and they're going to the be producing their own original yep. content. So, so this is our biggest reason for why you and I both think that they're just going to straight up buy red. Yep. Uh, or at least we wouldn't be shocked if they did. Sure. Um, so I last, mean, they bought the beats. So. Yeah. So last uh, April or March, you know, uh, WWDC happens. They announce Apple uh, TV Plus, yep. which is going to be their streaming service with original content. Um, what does original content need? Cameras. Yeah. And codecs. Right. And what better way to control your uh, your end-to-end product like Apple loves to do oh, than yeah. owning every aspect of that production right from because then they can the prores raw and, codec that yeah. you're using to the camera that you're using to the export that you're using and to the viewer that you're using i mean well, you that don't, is everything you don't, apple loves. you don't get to be a trillion dollar company by just letting other people take market share from no, you no and yeah and you get it by buying every other company they, under you they don't have cameras other than the cameras that are in the iphones right or the webcams in the computers. So you could argue that they have some cameras, but um, and there, there is huge, no Apple cinema camera. Not yet. And yet there's we'll Panasonic, see. there's Sony, there's yeah. Canon, there's every other, you know, and you're like, well, yeah, they've been making cameras for decades. Sure. But well, what better way to get into the camera th- business than to buy a pretty reputable exactly. camera company? Yeah. It wouldn't take much. I don't no. think. I, I, I don't think Red is a billion dollar, maybe maybe a billion dollar company. Maybe not more than mm, that. Yeah, I don't know. But I, we'll see. Because, <laughs> we'll find out yeah, soon. We'll, we'll find out soon. <laughs> there will be something will be happening. Uh, yeah, I, I would not be shocked if that, if, you know, Red, an Apple company, is eventually. I think thing. it's going to be a thing because though Apple has the resources, it would much rather spend that money acquiring them than spend putting an R and D put it in them yeah. fighting than right. fighting them. And, sure. And, and Apple can fight red for a long time and red doesn't can't sustain that battle no. long term. 
They may they they can put up a fight. They've got money. But, It'll bankrupt them. But yeah, the, Apple can drive them right into the ground. Yeah. And that'll prob that'll probably this will be a uh, hostile takeover. hostile takeover is how yeah. you refer to it. So yeah, yeah they're gonna they could potentially now look. We we have no idea. Like we're we're the little guy. We have no idea if this is actually it's happening. It's all speculation. But this but, yeah. makes sense from a business standpoint. It sure does. And they I don't they gotta they, be thinking of it too. They don't want to drive them into the ground because that'll ruin the reputation. Right. Yeah. So the, the image, and then you'll be like, oh gosh, yeah, that's that company that Apple yeah, you know, ruined and Squashed. then bought. Yeah. Yeah. And so I don't think that they want to do that. I do think that it'll be there'll be some kind of there'll be a conversation where like yeah. look we can either keep you in court for 10 years and you guys go bankrupt or yeah. we'll give you you know 10 10 or i don't even know like yeah you know, we'll give you a hundred million dollars to buy i mean that's low but you know yeah. what i mean yeah 900 million bucks and we'll and we'll buy your company yeah and we'll keep probably half your staff yeah yeah probably yeah I, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, that and there's also the, the fact that, you know, Apple loves AR technology. And, right, And yeah. Red had that thing with, um, with the their, hydrogen. their hydrogen with yeah. the 4 V yeah. V or whatever, uh, which is like kind of like this 4D hologramic mm-hmm. thing. Uh, it's definitely a gimmick. But in the hands of Apple that has that kind of money, that infrastructure to R&D something, it could blow up. And, yeah. and and they could use that on an iPhone or an iPad or right. whatever. Yeah. Um, just a lot of a lot of different things with that that I think, yeah, I, I definitely think Apple could be eyeing. So there's a lot mm-hmm. of different things that there's no way their like their exec team, their boardroom isn't considering. Well, and then think about think about the market share that they could they can take away from from Sony and from Ari and from, uh, you know, well, and even, on and well, on here's and another on. thing too, is even Netflix, because let's say, let's say, uh, Apple owns red. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, well now Netflix has a list of, of acceptable cameras that you're allowed to use. Red is on that list almost exclusively because they have this 4k standard that it has to meet a certain compression ratio and all this stuff. Like there's a whole, there's a whole worksheet of it. Sure. And red is on there. You know, the Alexa LF well, now and be like the 65. Apple cinema camera. That's the thing. So <laughs> all Netflix what is going to happen yeah. if they do buy red? Are they going to, I think probably what Apple would do from a business standpoint would, they would just be like licensing it or they'd be okay with it because they're making money from it. Sure. But I don't think Netflix is going to want that. I don't think Netflix is going to be like they don't want their name associated with that Apple cinema camera. I well, I think they take it off the list and they they say there's look there's other options you can use here's the other cameras because they're direct competitors especially with the streaming service coming. So Yeah, but on some level, on some levels you're going to have to I mean, I know they like to t- They'd like to bury Netflix if they could, but they, I don't see that happening. No, they'll, they'll, if anything, they'll buy Netflix, right? Before or, or Disney does, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> if, we'll see. if Disney doesn't get there first. Um, I don't know. I think from that standpoint, I think Apple wins that. You know, they've are Red's already in that space. I don't, I don't, and I'm not in those board meetings, and I don't know what those. CEOs attitudes are about one another. So I can't say for sure. I don't see Netflix 
taking that camera off the list just because Apple owns it now. Yeah, I don't realistically either, but yeah. it is a possibility. I mean, yeah. it's it's not like them buying red has just one effect over this whole thing. And then it's multiple, like it's a ripple. There. And now we're back full circle to the whole ego issue. Right. Well, yeah. Now, now, now that ego is in a different space, but it's still alive and well. Yeah. Now, now it's yeah, it's more business related and bottom line and stockholder and all that garbage. Not that it's garbage, but it can get out of hand. Um, and so the the ego then kills. You know, you're 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 killing create creative options and you know yeah yeah i mean if if a director and a cinematographer want to use a certain camera they should be able to use that certain camera exactly yeah i i I do i totally agree with that so um well getting away from that and getting to something that's a little more um happy i suppose and less legality um there is this crazy technology that came out of uh the unreal summit uh, unreal conference i don't know what it's called but anyways uh epic games right. uh, who create you know created Fortnite and uh t- t- just a ton of things i guess really i mean gears of war which is now not uh, an epic game anymore but it used to be um it's not unreal so epic. tournament <laughs> yeah right um they have this uh this computer animation engine that they use for video games okay. that other people can use that came from the development of a video game yeah that so if people that are listening aren't aware, Unreal Tournament, which I love that game. I played hours and hours and hours of that game. Matter of fact, I might do a go, go fire go, it up when go you get fired up and get you know, just I mean it was it was Halo before Halo. And so much has come out of the development of that game engine. Like so I mean, beyond even gaming which is amazing right and it's not just them using it because they've made it available to you know there's there's a ton of other companies that are creating games using this engine and engine is basically just a term used to describe how um the software and the computer lays light and textures for for computer animated uh graphics and, and stuff like that well, I bring this up because video games, um, they're becoming great storytelling uh, devices, but also um, th- people are thinking outside the box for how we can use this stuff because things like Unreal Engine are becoming so lifelike and realistic when you have the computer power that you can start using them for green screen or um, environments in film, right. which they have been. You know, People have been doing it. And... There was this thing at the Unreal. Um, I I don't know what the freaking conference is called, but it's you know it's kind of like a PAX or something for them. And there was this thing that Matt Workman, which if you're familiar with uh, Cinematography Database and um, Cine Tracer, he's the developer of Cine Tracer, so that's why he was at this event. Um, he he and a group of guys, you know, uh, company they they worked on this thing where it's this LED wall that has the unreal engine playing behind it in real time. And the camera has sensors that are talking to the software. And so the camera's on this techno crane. And when the camera and the, and the crane move, 
the background moves proportionately as well as if you were getting a real parallax, a real movement as if you were actually out in the middle of the desert in these mountains. So I'll post the video on Twitter, but it's this guy in a motorcycle and he's just getting on the motorcycle and it's multiple shots and the background, it is indistinguishable that it's not real. And the movement of the camera is incredibly fluid and, and, and realistic and it's insane. And I can't believe that it's, you know, like this is the future of car shots. This is the future of green screen. This is the future of filming things live in the moment and having complete control of what your environments can look like right. and not having to worry about like keying it out later or whatever. Like this is, this is the future that we're getting into now with these, these environments you're going to have potentially you could have like these big, 50 60 foot walls of led panels that are now instead of green and you're having to key it out in post you actually are just for lack of a better term projecting yeah just play the, the image on the yeah. background so you yeah. have these shots you know let's let's take avengers Endgame for example um the final battle scene there um it's it's just a big green you know soundstage there's nothing there's not really any of that sunset in there None of the damage from Avengers headquarters is there. You know, none of it's real. Um, there is little set pieces here and there, but for the most part, the background yeah, is just and totally if you've green. You've been on their Twitter. You've seen yeah. the 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 happy birthday and yeah, all and that. you've seen yeah. the sound the the soundstage for that, so you know what it looks like. But yes, so now you, what they could have done, you know, if if obviously this is only going to work for the time being for mega budget movies. To have these 60, 70, 80, you know, 130 foot walls of LEDs, they could have actually had that sunset, that background, that debris and everything, almost as like a scenic backdrop. But doesn't that, but don't you get into um, frame rate and flicker issues with the LED? Nope, the technology is so good now, you don't have it anymore. Wow. It's, it's, we've gone, we've gone beyond worrying about that. No, it's not even a factor. So it, yeah, no, it's, it on that level, you're not, I mean, somebody still has to think about it and make sure that you're well, sure. But it's the quality of the led and these aren't, you know, you're not, they're not getting home Depot LEDs here. I mean, this, this is, this is high end stuff. Right. So in it's low, um, I can't remember what the pixel separation or whatever they call it is, you know, where it's like wherever, however many millimeters between, uh, an led n- node is. Mm-hmm. Um, and the one that was in the, in the Matt Workman video is like, it's less than, you know, I think the, the minimum in most cases is like 1.2 or something. It's less than that on these almost, almost the same as a, a TV screen at your like home. You know, wow. it's just, it's, it's gotten that good now. Yeah. Um, so I'll post that on, on the Twitter. Um, it, it's just incredible. Like the, the stuff that's coming out now with the technology that you're able to do. And just to think that, you know, you could have just created that world for almost for real. I mean, just like a scenic backdrop again. I mean, right. I said it earlier, but um, going back to kind of the old, the old Western you know, movie days where they'd have the outskirts of the town painted on a backdrop, you know, um, that the camera couldn't recognize wasn't real. Right. Um, and neither did the viewer, but it helps sell the size of everything and, and, mm-hmm. and all that. But 
Uh, and well, then, now you don't need location. Now you just need a big enough yeah, soundstage yeah, and a budget. Right, right. <laughs> and the cool thing with that, too, is like that um, that sunset, like just taking that example, the in-game example, at sunset, that LED wall would be putting out light. Right. So you would be getting real hair light, real reflections, real... It just brings in the the realism and eventually we're going to get to where we're already pretty close. We're, we're 95% there where CGI is completely realistic looking. I mean, right. The Lion King was so close. Like it's, it's crazy. Um, but so we're does still it not change, quite. Does it change the, I mean, you know, CGI in the last 10 years is man leaps and bounds computing power be yeah it's just it's out of control it it, this it the sustainability of the rate of which technology is 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 not it can't be um it it doesn't seem sustainable at the rate that it's going um but what does this introduce what are the possibilities that this introduces um ruining other markets other industries other companies that are developing products that are i don't know about that aspect of it in the sense of right this. like lighting for example yeah i mean that's the first thing that comes to mind is is that oh, i don't think it's so going to change that because you still need a key you still need a fill you still need bounce boards you still i don't think it's going to get rid of that here here's my thing though is that this is in no way sustainable in or, or, or obtainable i should say to anyone under a three hundred million dollar budget movie, sure, like this, this not there. It won't be there for years, years. And the other thing, well, you to, you got Nigerian teenagers doing green screen. It, th- yeah, <laughs> I, yeah, I know that's different. <laughs> green screen's been around for fifty years, sure. So uh, it, it, that's different. Um, They'll figure out a way. The, it'll happen, <laughs> but it'll it'll take ten years. Um, you know, eat, eat my words, whatever. Don't care. Um, but what? Your, to answer your question about what is this going to actually take away is I think it's actually going to take away uh, things on the front end, not the back end. Oh. And what I mean by that is creativity and um, art direction and things like that are all going to have to be done up top. Right. So there was an article that came out that somebody wrote or maybe there was an interview with um, Kevin Feige. I can't, I can't really remember, um, you know, where somebody – either saw um, the action board, like the storyboards for the action scenes or something in, in a Marvel movie. And it was before the director had even like really came in. So, it, you know, they've already got post houses and stuff creating this content before the director's even given his voice. Right. And that's, that's a, um, that is an unfortunate side effect of this shared universe uh, kind of mentality that they have, I get that that works for them and um, it's fine because it's not, it's not every movie that's doing it, but if movies do start to go this route, you are stuck with that look unless you go back in and then rotoscope them out. And that's a lot harder to do than green screen. Right. So the green screen's always going to have its place unless like, it's a driving shot or it's a sunset that you know you need, then you're going to go set up that LED wall because that's something that you can't change in post. Now, if they get to the point where they're recording it, yeah, I know you're going with that. (laughs) Or if they get to the point where it is green 
on camera, but then, I mean, they are actually at that point. I shouldn't say that if they get to the, what they're doing is they're able to record two feeds. Basically one is the green screen feed. And then the other feed is, is already faking or, you know, implementing the, the look of that background for the green screen. But that, that doesn't solve the, the hair light, the realistic light reflections. You're not getting that by green screen. So I don't think it's going to happen on, on any movie. That's not $250 million. It's not there yet. It's going to take a very long time. Green screen will still be used in every shoot. And uh, I, or it I just think it's less expensive to actually go on location and set everything up and shoot it there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that'll be there'll be a switch though because practicals used to be cheaper than CG, and now you just farm out your CG to a hundred guys in India. Yeah. I mean, and and I'm not being facetious by saying that. That's literally like what Life of Pi and like you look at these movies that had huge CGI elements to them and. The company that won the Academy Award for Life of Pi went under like three months before the movie won the Academy Award. Right? right. Why though? It, well, the why is because they didn't pay. They them. didn't pay them well enough. They didn't pay yeah. them what they were owed, and they also are you know production companies. I get it; they're a business, but they have no problem farming out right. to the lowest bidder. Sure. Um, which is why I think you see such a difference in quality between movies that give a damn and movies that don't, you know, like if you look at the CGI of Thanos in, in, in game, like it's incredible. And then you go and you look and you see the CGI of Steppenwolf and justice league. Like they clearly gave that to somebody that was rushed, underpaid and underskilled sure, comparatively. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I'm not saying I could have done a better job. I'm just saying, right. Yeah. Underskilled, underprepared, didn't have enough time, you know, just everything was wrong with that option. And, but the bottom line was it was cheaper. Yeah. And so that's all it comes down to. And it's a, it's a bummer and it goes against the creativity aspect and the right. community aspect. And when you bring in that business, but it sucks because there wouldn't be a film business without the business. Right. Um, and it's just, it's a bummer, but that's the, that's the world it is. It, and you can't, can't do anything about it. I keep, I keep going into, to downers at the end of each of these, but <laughs> <I know. laughs> let's talk about something that was kind of fun. Uh, this, this week we got our chance to, uh, hang out with a couple of reps from Panasonic Yep, and they had Vericam LTs for us with some nice, nice Fuji glass. Yep. And, uh, Eric, what did we do with those this week? Well, it was a, it was a demo to determine whether or not we're going to spend some money on upping our, our camera game. So the cameras that we use in the live space are the Panasonic HD 2000s that are... That's yeah, what we use? That's the stick cams that are in the back. They're, they're 480. They're native 480. And um, we're, there's, a, there's a way to cheat 720 out of them. And that's what we're doing and have been for a while. Um, so we're cheating 720 in a 1080 environment. So. Doing an upscale. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Anyway. Um, it, needless to say, it doesn't look great. Uh, yeah. I mean, so, um, but we've got, we've been, we've done a really great job of 
and all this was done before I got here, but we've done a really great job with what. Yeah, we've gear maxed that, out the life yeah. that it. Yeah, and we've so taken everything to the limit that it's capable of. Yeah, and so um, the other cameras that we're running in the environment are the FS fives for stage cams and our dolly cam and um, and which has been a notable improvement in in quality in that on those shots so the imag shots are 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 really great but we got a chance to play around with the varicams and again to that that same price point they've got these amazing rebates right now yeah that bring the camera prices down you know because um varicams on a new tech it's been out for three years um, but the dual ISO and um, just the dynamic range and th- what it's accomplishing is still very relevant. So it's a piece of technology that is becoming extremely more affordable um, and yet still extremely relevant. So I think anybody that's considering jumping into a cinema camera right now needs to take a very serious look at the, at at the Vericam LTs right now. Yeah. If you're looking for a camera that's under 11 grand, that comes with everything you need to basically start shooting aside from a battery and a, and a lens, man, I I don't think I would go with anything else. Like if I was in that budget range, between nine and twelve thousand dollars, this is the camera I would get. Yeah, um, straight out of the box, the image quality, it, it, the skin tones just looked incredible. Yeah, um, that Fuji lens was great too, which that's not a super expensive lens either. Um, yeah, I I was super impressed with these cameras. I'd heard lately, you know, about a lot of people being really excited about them. Uh, Rob Rusher, he had a shoot with them a couple uh, months ago. And he just kind of fell in love with it too, so much right. so that I think he he may have even bought one, uh, or he was thinking about actually you know pulling the trigger on getting one. And the man, this there's there's a couple of camera companies that straight out of the box, the image quality, the image you know the color renditions or whatever, uh, I'd love. And it's Alexa cameras and this like this Vericam right out of the box. There's multiple quick looks that you can have and super impressed with it not not a whole lot of tweaking that you had to do to get it to look beautiful um and and to me that's that's kind of the fun of of pulling out a camera and and shooting with it um as much as we all want to say that we love raw and being able to have that flexibility in post there's something about just throwing it up on on the screen on set and being like man that looks freaking killer yeah, and this camera and the Alexa cameras do that. Yeah, right out of the box. So I, yeah, I'm I was super impressed with it. Um, like I said, skin tones were just so good. You know, we're so used to Sony's just have kind of like a weird green hue that I can't stand, and I love the look of this. Um, and you know, for production live environment, like they were cool too, man. Four K right. out. Um, gin lock in, uh, gold mount on the back fiber unit that you can get from a third party, yep. uh, EF or PL mount. And it's just, I, I was super impressed with the whole thing. Yeah. And, and because of the workflow in the live environment, the, 
the you know one of the arguments about against it is you know the whole oh you've got the p2 card thing right you've got you got this extra workflow because you've got a proprietary memory card or or whatnot but it in the live environment we're we're sending those that that feed up yeah, to the central control room right. and you're recording directly to um you know your whatever the server setup is um either we're recording I mean, we're recording through a number of different ways that way, but so the workflow doesn't change. It doesn't impact because of that proprietary memory card scenario. So that kind of gets taken out of the equation. But yeah, I I spent a lot of time this week listening to a lot of other cinematographers um, from all over the world that have been using these and... You know, it's funny because usually Sony wins the low light game. That's just kind of traditional. Yeah, game. not and on then, their cinema cameras and then, though. And then and then Canon usually wins the color game. Right. Um, but man, Vercam, dude, well done on this on this camera yeah. on this product. Uh, again, it's it. The price point is not in everybody's reach it's it's not for everyone but um for legit feature and cinematic use the the price is right for the quality and the value that you get and that's for me uh, as a gearhead that's really the sweet spot finding the best value right the yeah. the, the the amount of what you're getting for the amount of what you're spending. I think that's super important. Yeah. Like the, what you're saying, because a lot of people attribute value to like it being cheap in price. Right. But then high in quality. Well, that's not necessarily, I mean, $10,000 is a lot of money. Sure. Sure. But for what you're getting, like it is, it's right. It's the price that it should be for the quality that you're getting. Exactly. And yeah, I think that's super important to say where we talked about the the Black Magic 6K pocket and twenty five hundred dollars. It's overheating. It's having issues. You know, it's having all these problems, and it's small, so you still have to kit it out to make it fit every other cinematic thing that you want it to do. Yeah, this camera is the winner of price with quality. I mean, yeah, it, yeah it's just it's it's yeah. it's there. Yeah, it's great. Um, it's it, it's winning, it's winning in low light because of the dual ISO, the native dual ISO. Um, I mean, I we could talk about that camera f- for many episodes. So, um, instead of doing that, we'll just include a bunch of links to a lot of these other yeah. cinematographers yeah. and DPS that have had way more experience with the camera and and share directly with you so yep but yeah great it's exciting um the the rebate lasts up until the end of september so it looks like we'll potentially be making a move i hope so pretty soon yeah and uh, it's exciting to me and then we get to we get to play around with the the vercam lts on on our in-house projects. Yep. So it's cool. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. Oh man, <laughs> video creative team is a little bit more excited about it Maybe. than anybody else. We I might think. be. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that about does it for this week, guys. Uh, thanks for listening. Eric, you want to close us out? Yeah, super grateful for everybody. Thanks so much for listening. You can always find Zach Abbott's on IG and Twitter at Zach Abbott's. You can find myself on YouTube, IG, and Twitter at Eric Thurston. Do you almost forget your name there for a second? Yeah, I was like, what? <laughs> what's it under again? Oh, man. Yeah. Something funny? No, it's my name. Yeah. Oh, okay. And if you have any comments, questions, concerns, or complaints, you can send those directly to Zach at the Easy Podcast Show at gmail.com. And guys, make sure uh, you give us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and let us know on Twitter that you did. And uh, we're going to pick five people to give some movie tickets to. Yeah, of course. And uh, honest reviews, guys. We, we are not looking for just five stars. Give us some honest reviews, and you still could get these tickets. So uh, hit us up on Twitter after you've given it. Let us know your your first and last initial, and we will pick five people to give two movie tickets to. Uh, that about does it. Thanks again for listening. We'll catch you next time. Bye.